Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. We welcome Dr. Robin, blessings, and so glad you're here. Thank you. Good morning, folks. Um, So I have spent some time uh, since Pastor Darcy asked me to preach in this series and uh, Pastor Darcy repeatedly asked me for a scripture and um, nothing was coming to me from, from the stories that are collected that frame our tradition. And, and yet I am mindful that there are pieces of wisdom that have not been canonized because it's the wrong narrative or it's not in line with supremacist ideology. And so the scripture that I would like to offer is from the canon of abolitionist thinkers, Sojourner Truth, who said this, And I think it's part of a larger quote, but I couldn't find the larger quote from which this comes. But I think this small quote um, gives us a vision of of really where we're trying to get. Sojourner Truth said this, then I will speak upon the ashes. Then I will speak upon the ashes. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about our current moment. It's not new. Um, Certainly what we saw on January 6th has been brewing for a long time. And it's just another iteration of the ways in which supremacy culture is the governing arm of this nation. So I've given this sermon a title, From Social Justice to Abolition, A Theology on the Way. Because I think that um, 
our stuckness in our, this moment is, is our collective inability to alchemize the wisdom that has come before us. So let us, let us seek to be people on the way, which is sort of in line with the Jesus community, you know. So from social justice to abolition of theology on the way. Uh, greetings from Nashville, Tennessee and the Activist Theology Project. Thank you for having me back in your pulpit. I can't wait to be with you in person to share a meal and dig deeper into the ways we can steward the kind of world we long to inhabit and the world I know this community is seeking to build. I love being in community with Park Avenue and I love the chance to share my thoughts with you in sermon form. So I have written them down because I have many thoughts about this. As a theologian and ethicist, my work as a professor and public theologian is to help connect the dots between theory and action and help steward a theological vision that holds the complexities of our common life with the reality of such differences that exist globally. With that in mind, I'd like to share today some thoughts on how we can pivot from the norms and values of progressive politics and progressivism in general that are bound up in the norms and values of the social justice industrial complex and pivot into the work of abolition. I call this a theology on the way. So many of our Bible stories and interpretation of those stories depend upon ancient philosophies that framed the world at the time. And those interpretations have carried over into, today, into today's interpretive practices. By ancient philosophy, I'm referring to the dead white guys, Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle, for example. We have to remember that we have inherited these ideologies and many of these ancient thoughts are with us today. Let me give you some examples. Plato wrote in the Republic that it would be an, an, an ideal state that every member of the community must be assigned to the class for which he finds himself best fitted. In an article, D.R. Bandari says, justice is for Plato at once a part of human virtue and the bond, which joins man together in society. It is the identical, identical quality that makes good and social. Justice is an order and duty of the parts of the soul. It is to the soul as health is to the body. Plato says that justice is not mere strength, but it is a harmonious strength. Justice is not the right of the stronger, but the effective harmony of the whole. All moral conceptions revolve about the good of the whole individual as well as the social. Plato believed 
rights existed only between free people. And the law should take account in the first instance of relations of inequality in which individuals are treated in proportion to their worth and only secondarily of relations of equality. Reflecting this time when slavery and subjugation of women was typical, ancient views of justice tended to reflect the rigid class systems that still prevail. On the other hand, for the privileged groups, strong concepts of fairness and the community existed. Distributive justice was said by Aristotle to require that people were distributed goods and assets according to their merit. Now, we might see in these two examples that concepts of freedom, class structure, and the social seem to be for those who can access those categories of life. Rights were only for free people, according to Plato. That certainly seems to have continued throughout the evolution of society. Likewise, the concept of merit and the emergence of a meritocracy is something that even this country is steeped in. So how does one steward justice in light of this? And how does one advocate for something like social justice, which is a framework designed to offer justice to the social, to the public, when justice itself is predicated on the free class and male-bodied persons? I could add white to this list for our context in the US. Continuing with some examples of ancient philosophy, Socrates, through Plato's dialogue, Crito, is credited with developing the idea of a social con contract, whereby people sought to follow the rules of a society and accept the burdens because they have accepted its benefits. During the Middle Ages, religious scholars, particularly such as Th Thomas Aquinas, continued discussion of justice in various ways, but ultimately connected being a good citizen to the purpose of serving God. So very soon after the classical age, we have the fusion of the social contract, which is tied up in being a good citizen with the person with the purpose of serving God. The theology of the Middle Ages, including the work of Thomas Aquinas, who revived Aristotle's philosophy, accelerated these ideas of justice that show up as things like good character. This continues today. It's important to note that ancient conceptions of justice and later the evolution of that being social justice as justice for society did not include any notion of socioeconomic equity or human dignity. I mention this because we have now in this country a system of justice, quote unquote, that seeks to address the notion of a good citizen without recognizing the complexities of how things like race, class, and gender 
impact one's ability to be a good citizen. And who decides what a good citizen is? Who makes that decision? What is good? Who defines the category of good? It is such a contested term that often signals whiteness and dominance. So there again, we have in place subjugation relative to what is good. So friends, family, we have inherited an entire system of thinking based on philosophies that are only intended for the free class, reminding us that slavery, along with gender bias and other social differences, have been with us for a long time and has just continued to evolve as the rise of the institution has occupied our society. And I include the church in institution. So how do we get out of this framework that has cemented governments, policies, and conditioned societies to be what they are now, including churches? I think we need what abolition can offer us, which is a turn to life-affirming systems which are rooted in the constellation of difference. That's how I define abolition. Life-affirming systems, networks of care that accelerate flourishing. Now, I'm not saying that efforts for a society to be just is not to be stewarded. I think we should seek to steward a just society. And social justice, which was also a phrase that was coined by a Jesuit priest, but I, I, that was too many, too many trails to, to, to follow here. I think that we should seek to steward a just society and social justice should be rooted in the framework of abolition, rooted in life affirming systems, because the system we have all inherited y'all has in its very DNA, the framework that does not support equity or liberation on a collective scale. It keeps intact a hierarchy of classes and accelerates today's meritocracy on the basis of who is free and who is not, which is then rooted in who makes a good citizen. Y'all tracking with me on this? We've got to get into the cellular level of our society to create conditions for a hard pivot out of what we've inherited. We need a theological vision for our time. If we don't pivot out of our inherited theologies that are steeped in Western thought that accelerates supremacy culture, we will not become abolitionist people. Now, there are views of social justice 
that suggest that a duty of the state is to distribute things like economic, cultural, and social rights. This view is derived from a version of distributive justice that is rooted in the work of John Rawls. But there still persists in these theories, both ancient and more contemporary theories, a lack of collective awareness for justice that doesn't persist in classist and merit-based technologies. So how do we steward a pivot that creates conditions for us to move from social justice to abolition? Many of our theological traditions have remnants of these inherited views embedded in their doctrine and dogmas. So we have a ways to go to help steward our traditions into a vision of collective liberation. This will take time. And the urgency of our need to pivot is upon us right now, this very moment. Abolition, as many of you know, originally was the work to end slavery and the historic movement that sought to end the transatlantic slave trade and set slaves free, in theory. And what our ancestors didn't steward is a vision for how to build systems that were life affirming. So in an effort to create a just society, we've erected a system that does not steward life. And we have to look at our theology and ethics to blame for this. Theology has been brought into our government and policymaking process since the beginning of our country. So how do we undo the dominant framework and build the kind of world we long to inhabit? I know that that's the question that y'all are asking. I think it takes something like an abolitionist framework to help envision life-affirming systems. And this starts with our theologies and ethics. In my book, Activist Theology, I spend a lot of time helping connect the dots between theory and action and why it's important to actually live out our theologies in public, in community. I believe this is part of how we begin to steward the pivot from social justice to abolition. I still think it's important to live out our theologies, but doing so in a way that addresses the ongoing subjugation of those most impacted by supremacy culture has to be primary. It has to be. We've created a society and have been conscripted into that society that is still based in subjugation, still based in notions of power that harm the least of these. We persist in a society that accelerates supremacy culture on all fronts, even in our churches. We've got to not only divest from toxic notions of power, which many of our theories of justice are based, but we've also got to address the ways in which domination continues to accelerate our theologies and moral frameworks. I'm aware that tomorrow is the day we celebrate the memory of our ancestor, Martin Luther King Jr. 
And so I want to ask us, if we have the capacity to dream and imagine beyond what we have inherited, beyond how we have been conscripted, beyond the tyranny of the now, what created conditions for ancient philosophy to lay the foundation for their notion of justice? Was their imagination of how the social should be constructed and how it should be structured? Now it is our time to reimagine what we've inherited and build a social framework that is rooted in life affirming systems rooted in a constellation of difference that nurtures care and accelerates the flourishing of all. That is the work of abolition. That is the pivot we all need. If, if we just consider the socioeconomic needs, things like mutual aid and the social safety net would be part of that reimagining. I could go off on how everyone is crowdfunding their medical debt. And if we had something like mutual aid, we wouldn't be so dependent on the medical industrial complex bankrupting all of us. But that's for a different sermon. We also have to reckon with the ways in which our inherited theology has created the framework of supremacy culture and white Christian theology continues to accelerate this framework and continues to steward supremacy culture. How can black and brown people be free when white Christian theology valorized Christ crucified in the name of God? There is no freedom in that kind of theology that accelerates supremacy culture and theologies of supremacy that frame our churches. What I'm suggesting is that we have got to make a hard pivot. And that pivot might look like starting all over and reimagining notions of freedom, justice, relationships, community, everything. That is the work of abolition. Stewarding life-affirming systems that are rooted in a constellation of difference. Because if it is true that the Christian vision is the flourishing of all things, y'all, we've got a long ways to go. We have come to terms. We have to come to terms with whether or not theology is a prison itself, a mode of imprisoning the slave and promising freedom while never being able to materialize that freedom. Is theology a prison, a school-to-prison pipeline for imprisoning the least of these? That is what I see in our culture. If we are going to preach a gospel of liberation, we've got to steward the work of abolition, and this requires a pivot out of the norms and values of the tradition of social justice. Abolition doesn't happen in a vacuum. And it doesn't happen with one person, nor with one sermon. Abolition happens in community. And when we displace the cult-like figures of our traditions and actually build the kind of relationships 
that support community flourishing that are grounded in the politics of radical difference, that, that is when we are able to see the pivot. Abolition happens when we are able to steward the kind of theology that supports the vision of liberation for all. Abolition is not some distant future, but something we create in every moment when we say no to the traps of empire and yes to the nourishing possibilities dreamed of and practiced by our ancestors and friends. Every time we insist on accessible and affirming healthcare, safe and quality education, meaningful and secure employment, loving and healing relationships, and being our full and whole selves, we are doing abolition. Abolition is about breaking down things that oppress and building up things that nourish. Abolition is the practice of transformation in the here and now and the ever after. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.